Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Hi, everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I have such a great show today. We're going to talk about fitness after 40. Now, this is part of our fitness series where we talk about emotional fitness, spiritual fitness. We've got mental fitness. There's all sorts of different fitnesses that we have as a human being. But one of the ones that comes to mind most prominently is physical fitness. Now, about two or three years ago, I joined a local gym, and I hadn't worked out in a decade other than in my home. And, you know, prior to that, I was a college athlete, I was a high school athlete, and I really never had a problem with my fitness. But as I got divorced, as my mom got sick with cancer and ultimately passed away, I found myself taking care of my kids, of my company, of my dad, of my mom, everybody else but me. And when I went to this training program, they had us make a list of all our responsibilities. And the funny part of it well, maybe not so funny, was that I wasn't even on my own list. And so when I recognized that, one of the things I did was I went to my local gym, Acton Fitness. And while I was there, I met these wonderful people that I'm bringing on the show to today because they personify many of the things that I think are of value and are kind of lacking in our society. They have a longstanding relationship. They're a family business. They have children. They've kept their marriage together for I don't know how many years. We're going to hear about them. But they've also invested in me as a person without asking anything in return. Helpful information. Natalie, here's the reason why I got SPIN certified way after the age of 40. And I wasn't afraid to come to the gym. And those were real big milestones for me. And that's why we talk about the interconnection of spiritual fitness, emotional fitness, physical fitness, because I probably wasn't as emotionally fit in the beginning as I am now, because they all work hand in hand. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Donnie and Natalie Carvajal. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello, Sandra. So, all right. How long have you guys been married? 26 years. 26 years. And you have how many kids? Three adult children. So you might know a little bit about juggling the needs of family and kids and all sorts of things that get in the way of mommy and daddy fitness. Yep, it's hard. It's definitely hard out there. So let me ask you, Donnie, what do you think was your biggest challenge with your own fitness? And if you guys could speak up a little bit, that would be great. Um, What do you think was your hardest challenge as a young father with, you had three girls? Yeah. That's a lot of hairspray. (laughs) Lots of estrogen in my home. (laughs) So what do you think was your biggest challenge when you were a young dad? Well, my particular challenge was trying to fulfill the role of dad 
and that that comes with all the normal things providing going to work coming home trying to give mom a break um, trying to connect and love and relate to the children and so that was really the the tough part for me and uh, like every human being you kind of you kind of learn as you go along experience is the best teacher and the fortunate thing for both of us is the field that we entered into for career was fitness. If it hadn't been, I venture to say I'd be like many of the listeners out there, trying to discover ways to make it fit in. So we, we were fortunate that we, we moved into that arena and were successful at it. So it's kind of a gift. It is. It is. And the gift of each other, because Natalie, you guys also work together. So you raise children together, you work together, and you remained married. And I can testify that you guys are happily married, at least every time I see you at the gym and every time you're at my house. I mean, you guys really are an inspiration. Was that always the way or did you guys have bumps along the way that made working together a challenge? I don't think we've ever had bumps like that ever. Actually, we are so blessed. We definitely are so blessed. And Donnie always helped me make fitness a priority. And when I feel good, then the house runs well. And it's it's that snowball effect. And he knew that from the get-go. He always would watch the kids and help me and do whatever I needed to do to get to the gym. And he knew, hey, she feels good then we're good. A little bit of it might have been intuitive, but the vast majority of it was, I was working with moms, housewives, women who were happily married, women who were unhappily married, divorcees, young women who were just coming into their own and trying to get in shape for one reason or another. And the theme was always the same. Doers, givers, you females as a rule, you kind of put yourselves second, third, fourth, fifth, or like in your case, you may not even be on the list at all. So I was well aware of that professionally. And of course, emotionally, it meant a lot to me to, to experience the old saying, you know, happy wife, happy life. Well, and you guys are happy. You know, 26 years later, I get to enjoy the benefits of your happiness. Now, 26 years is a long time for all of us. And during that time, our bodies change. And one of the things, Donnie, you taught me especially, um, and Natalie too, is that our fitness has to change as we age, that there are different, different things that happen with our bodies. And I'd love to talk about that because we are all somewhere around 40 or over 40. Well, I can tell you that probably the most unnoticeable thing about health and fitness is the fact that it kind of does it on its own. It has to be worked on to be maintained. We're given really great, wonderful abilities as youthful people. And then we're distracted for all the important reasons, all the higher priority reasons, love, family, marriage, all the things that matter. And then we see ourselves a decade or two or three later, we've neglected some very, very important things that cannot be fixed easy because they weren't lost overnight. It's a gradual pace. And of course, that is also the answer. You must reverse. Your habitual life previously tells us why you're here today. If you're you're 10 years away from exercise, then my recommendation is you take the next three days, you take the next three weeks, and you take the next three months to reverse 
the way you've been the last three days, the last three weeks, and the last three months. And eventually you're a few years into a healthier lifestyle and you've got a couple decades of youthful fitness, mobility, quality of life back under your belt. And it happens to everybody who puts the effort in. Well, and what I love about what you teach, and you know, I'm, it's hard for me because I'm not a slow and steady person. I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie, go, go, go. And I go 100 miles an hour, which is why I get sick every year. And um, I didn't know how important rest and recovery was. And I would love for you to talk about that because to me, rest and recovery, Donnie and Natalie was passing out of that couch at like eight o'clock after dinner. There, there's my rest and recovery. <laughs> And that is sort of a lot of a lot of what recovery is passing out. But the most important component and the first of our tier is rest, it's sleep. And that's because that's when the magic happens. You have fuel in your body, um, not to be too technical or anything, but you got energy in the form of carbohydrates. It's called readily available fuel. And then you have fat fuel. And a lot of us have a little too much fat fuel and so the thing to remember about rest is fat fuel is called metabolic fuel. It's there to help you make cells. What cells? Every cell in your body. An eye cell, a blood cell, skin cell, muscle cells. It helps your body to rebuild all of those in the recovery mode. That's why you have lots and lots of fat energy and very little carbohydrate energy. You have to replace the carbohydrate but the, the fat energy is there so that your body can rebuild everything you need. There's a lot of things that go on when you're sleeping, not the least of which is you burn about 40 calories per hour from fat. Now, when you factor that all out numerically, that's at least what you're going to get after eight hours in the amount of sugar and fat burned in a run. Half the calories are fat, half the calories are carbohydrate when you run. So you're going to get as much fat burned at night sleeping as you would from all do not run so, so rest is really important so cutting down on our sleep i know one of the things when i don't sleep a lot and i'm working a lot i do crave a lot of sugary things i do not work out you know the way i should because i'm out of balance but you said all these things happen while we sleep what are some other good things that happen while we sleep because I, I like the kind of the rationale behind going, you know what, my body needs to sleep and this is why, at least in my own head. Mm -hmm. Well, the cycle of the sun is um, a component of our recovery period. So typically when the sun goes down, your body's hormones begin to respond to the no light. And as that nighttime progresses all the way through, there's a cascade of hormonal responses that go on in your body that lead you to rebuild better, to de-stress, and to manufacture a better you, overall speaking, wellness. So as the hormones in the evening begin to work their magic, your body tends to regenerate certain cells, your body tends to rebuild certain tissues, and if you don't get enough sleep, the hormones that are most responsible, the building hormones, those hormones that are most responsible, they don't get a chance to work to rebuild the healthiest tissue of your body, and that's your muscle skeletal system. So when that's not being rebuilt, you, you now engage the next day to come with a little less strength, a little less power, and you overload quicker, which means you perform worse and you perform less. Sleep is critical. So 
is how do you know when you have enough sleep? You know, like for me, I'm constantly tired. I'm tired when I get up in the morning. I'm tired when I go to bed. Should you just wake up refreshed? Like, I don't even know how to know how much sleep I need. Well, you know, in a lot of things that happen in the fitness industry, I can give you direct um, biological feedback cues. I can give you direct measures that are done through um, hundreds and thousands of experiments with, with members and with, with clients. But with that, I'm going to just guess that probably the best way is to just pick the numerical system and try to get at least eight to nine hours if you can. To the degree that you get closer to that or meet that, you're probably going to sense where that right amount of sleep is. Because it will differ from person to person. There's no magic number. Sure, sure. It makes sense. You can totally and it figure it out feeling it and experiencing it. Well, and that's what I like about talking to you both because everything you talk about is natural and organic, like, you know, getting up with the sun and going to sleep at night with the sun. Like, you know, I grew up in a farming community, so I would watch the farmers work more in the summer months than they did in the winter months. In winter months, there was a lot of maintaining the equipment. There was a lot of restoring and repairing, changing tires, all these things that were only done kind of as an emergency, you know, during the growing and harvesting season. And there's kind of a corollary between that and ourselves, I think. I agree. Our, our, when in our home, oftentimes our, our time together at home isn't a lot in some instances. And when we don't have time to be with each other because I'm somewhere or she's somewhere else, uh, our quality time together is very important. And she will, on, on a fairly regular basis, let me know, I'm tired, I got to get to bed. Now, I could probably stay up another hour or two, and that's my cue. She is working on that internal clock that she senses, that very organic feeling, it's time for me to get to bed. And you can sense this after a while. Well, and Natalie, I look at you, and you're you're just have that radiant beauty, that good health beauty that can't like if it came, what does Cher say? If it came in a jar, everybody would have a great body or, you know, whatever it is. But whenever I see you, you have this glow about you. And I really think that that's a lot from your lifestyle. Absolutely. It is. We do go to bed early. We eat well. We drink a lot of water. We work out and we do it consistently. It's got to be habitual. And I think to relate what you had communicated earlier was that it's all really connected. Mm -hmm. So the radiant glow that comes out of the tactile physical part of us is probably a deeper reflection of the radiant glow of the inner spirit that we both live and breathe preeminently along with our physical. Right, because so you can't that, have one without the other. Right, right. It's pretty hard for someone who's crushed inside to feel a body that's well. Mm -hmm. they're, they're too related to, to not be affected. Right. And we have, we have other episodes you guys can check out on emotional fitness, on spiritual fitness, and um, even parenting fitness. There's a lot of different components that come into us as human beings, especially if we have husbands or wives or children, or like in my case, I'm a sandwich generation. I care for my dad and I care for my kids. Now, Donnie, one of the things that I noticed as I got older is my recovery, I didn't bounce back. And I remember, Natalie, my first couple spin classes, you know, I was like, oh, my goodness, it took me, you know, a day or two longer 
than it did when I was in my 20s. In my 20s, I could run a 5K and then, you know, go have a hamburger, get up and go to class the next day. But not, not anymore. And I think our, how do our bodies change as we get older with respect to the type of workouts that we do? Um, I think it's really important to understand that the body in a youthful state can probably do just about anything and succeed. But just like with the loss of um, eyesight in the 40s, the cell death of certain cells in our bodies begin to show up in a more real-time way. We can't see so well anymore. Muscle cells do the same thing. So does the skin cells, which is why we have the the products for all the uh, different skin cares, things like that. So when you're, when you're away from the game, the exercise and fitness game, and you come back, what was a, a mode that was successful before isn't the same. No. So when you engage, you're coming in at a different, shall we say, chapter in your life. Okay. So the ability of your body to engage the original activities versus maybe looking for some newer activities Uh, The ability to engage them changes, and so one must be diligent about trying to find an exercise mode that's appropriate, given the flexibility of the body, the the different injuries that may have come across our lives, and how we can get back to being healthy. I'm speaking with reference to both cardiovascular and resistance training activities. What's the difference? Oh, good question. Um, The simplest way to figure out the difference is we use two words, sustainable and unsustainable. Okay. They're very easily demarked at that point. If you can do something for minutes, long, 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 repetitive minutes, it's not at all resistance. If you can't do something but for maybe a minute or two maximum, and it's typically around a minute or so that a resistance training set would be engaged, if, if, it, if it can only be done for about a minute or so, it's probably in the category of resistance training. Okay, so, so lugging dog food, lugging my pool chlorine, those things that are real heavy and I can only do for a short period of time, those are resistance, right? More along the lines of resistance, yes. Okay. And then cleaning my house, which is running around, putting things away. You know, it's more like, like riding a bike or on the treadmill, but cleaning my house would be more the other kind, right? Cardiovascular, yeah. Cardiovascular, okay. And, and I'll go ahead. So, why do we need both? Oh, very good question. The, the, the biggest indicator of cardiovascular and resistance training health is basically two things. Cardiovascular health is what leads to a longer, more sustained respiratory system, which leads to a better digestive system. And so, when you're living longer through cardiovascular, your bones and your tendons are not being addressed. The muscles are not being addressed. The thing that moves you, your skeletal structure. So a, a really simple way to understand it is cardio helps you live longer, okay. but it's the resistance training, the unsustainable activity that helps you live better qualitatively. Okay. So if you want to move well, you need resistance training. If you want to live longer, you need cardiovascular training. And if somebody actually says to you, you're getting both of them in one, that would be less than correct. Okay. You cannot be doing an unsustained movement at the same time you're doing an unsustained movement and a sustained movement. They just don't go hand in hand. 
So one is for longer. Nobody has ever asked the question, how many minutes did you do squats? <laughs> That's but right. It's, it's sets and reps. And no one's ever asked, how many reps did you do on the treadmill? Because that's an odd question. Yeah. Reps, you mean... Huh. Thousands. So when you do the cardiovascular activity, you're addressing the ability of your body to move oxygen, to move blood through all the vessels to every cell in your body. That's a longevity benefit. And when you do resistance training, no matter what it is, whether it's body weight, whether it's rubber bands, whether it's a machine in a gym, or whether it's dumbbells or something like that. You are doing activities that are going to change the quality of your life because weight training tears down the body so that the body senses that the environment has won. It's winning. I've failed to win against the, the stresses that were coming against me. And it says, okay, well, we want to succeed. We want to continue to sustain life. Let's repair you better. And when that happens, you're going to get a couple of little things that happen. The muscles work better. The joints move through greater range of motion. You'll store more energy in the muscle, more carbohydrate energy in the muscle, and or you're going to build the muscles, which is all beneficial, all of the above. Now, when does this repair take place? Does this, while we're actually working out and lifting the weights, or is this one of those magic things that happens when you go to sleep? It's the sleep proposition. When you enter a workout at the gym, for example, okay. for the next hour after your warm-up and your prep and then your weight training, for the next hour you are in complete teardown mode. That means someone's taken, for example, the construction guys come to do some work on your house. Right. They're in that room tearing down the walls, ripping out the drywall and the carpet, getting it ready to either add more construction or to rebuild what you have. When you go home, what's the beginning? The first thing you do after an exercise mode is you refuel your muscles. Your body is sensitive at that time to refueling better. You put the carbohydrates, the proteins, and the fats back into the system in the right amount, of course. And then your body goes into what we call repair mode. Repair mode is the sleeping time. Okay. And sometimes it's a couple days. A really important concept is to understand that you don't burn fat really well actively. I, for sure, we recommend it. But when you get on a bike and you do a, a treadmill or you go for a run outside or you get on an elliptical, you're only going to get a few hundred calories from fat burned off your body, which is wonderful and we highly recommend that. Okay. But the real fat burning is going on 24-7. It's the repair of your body. So if, as I said earlier, you're a byproduct of the last three months, three weeks, three days, by moving forward with that principle, the next three days, the next three weeks, the next three months, you change the habits of your previous three weeks and three months. For the next 48 hours after your workout, if you've done a weight training session, your body is in repair. If it's just a treadmill or an elliptical, then the repair process to your cardiovascular system is little to none. So that means you're not going to re really be getting any additional fat burning going on in your body from the exercise. You receive the whole benefit while exercising, which is wonderful. But let's take a typical example. Let's imagine that Natalie and I go to the gym 
and okay. I'm your typical male, and I go to the weight room and I work on weight training. As a normal female, under the normal um, experience of the fitness industry, go do your cardio, girls. So the girls go and do the cardio because they're interested in losing smaller, thinner, lighter. So she's going to do one hour of cardio, and she'll get roughly six or 700 calories burned. Half of that is from fat. Okay. I'm going to work out in the weight room. I might only burn 500 calories. I will burn no fat in the gym. So in this illustration, she's the better fat burner in the gym. Okay. And then, of course, we go home. We do the regular thing in the house. And for the next couple of days, her legs are not sore. Her butt is not sore. Her stomach is not sore. Her chest is not sore. Her back is not sore. But the muscles that I worked are sore. So for the next 48 hours, I've upped the fat burning. So the male who's got a maybe a skewed reason for the weight training, because I think weight training makes me more valuable. I am manly. Manly, yes. (laughs) And the female who thinks that the bigger is worse, wants to be smaller, Right. to do the smaller activity, the losing proposition. Oh, my gosh. She's not really tearing down muscles very well if she's in the mindset that it's cardio. But cardio is part of a healthy program, so we absolutely recommend it. Got it. But the key is what I do naturally benefits me differently than what she does naturally. And the truth of the matter is, is, We both need both. Right. So it's a really important concept to understand that if I were to give a blanket statement to the average human, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say men do more cardio and eat more, as the wife says, colorful food. (laughs) That's the vegetables. That's not (laughs) M&M's. So I'm going to tell the average woman, I think you really need to do some of the resistance training. And the reason for that is, there's, if we consider the wheels on a car, there's four essentials to keep the car moving well. If okay. one of the tires is flat, you're not going to have a very good trip. So the first one, as we said earlier, is rest. The second mm-hmm. one is nutrition. The third one we refer to as cardio, but we like to say going long. Right. Because it's a, it's a block of time you want to get. You start with whatever your body can do safely, engage that body with the right starting intensity, and you go long. 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe an hour. And then the fourth wheel is going strong. That's resistance training. The amount of resistance you use is relevant to you as a starting point, but irrelevant as to how much it is from person to person to person. Wherever your weight limits are, you need to try to up them a little. And so the key for men is we need the cardio and we need to eat smarter. We've got a couple really good wheels. We sleep well and we lift a lot of weight. <laughs> That's true. Like I live in an all male household. I do not have a problem with them sleeping well and I do not That's have a it. problem with them lifting weights. That's Vegetables, it. Really? Uh, yeah, I got a problem with that. And for the ladies, it's the resistance. Now there's a there's an important concept that we have and this we kind of learned over the years with each other. The stronger she gets, Resistance training now. I'm just writing this down because this stuff is so good. Go ahead. (laughs) The stronger she gets, now I'm saying this working through three children. That's 
normal home life, house, mortgage, business, doctor, you got to go to the supermarket, medical. So we're working through all this, but the stronger she got, I'm talking chest muscles, back muscles, shoulder muscles, butt muscles, quad muscles, hamstring muscles, and of course a strong core. But the stronger she got, the smaller she got. And I don't mean to say that let's get tiny because tiny's good. I mean the more fat she burned off of her body. Mm-hmm. So that's very key. And for men, it's, it's a little bit of the other direction. The average guy, because of testosterone, really does benefit muscle-wise at anything. He mows the lawn, his muscles get better. He cleans the garage, his muscles get better. Not for the females. They have to really work hard to make the muscle thing happen. See, I, I love that because one of the things I learned from you guys and one of the things I found in my at least my last year and a half fitness journey is I can clean the pool quicker and better. I can pick up the things that I need. I power up the stairs with my laundry. And you guys know I have a big house. So getting that laundry from like where I need to go and have it put away is such a big difference. And when I look at the ladies listening today, I, like you, I had no idea. I thought going and doing my cardio was my thing and that was all I needed. And I loved how clearly you explained the the muscle part of it because I think many of us fear that we're going to end up looking bulky like men, but that's kind of a false. Natalie, you want to weigh in on that one? Cause you are adorable. You have a beautiful body, a beautiful spirit, beautiful everything. And I know you, you work hard at it and you're in balance. Cause I never see you like road hard, put away wet. Like, you know, you, you have, you, you figured it out. You figured out something I haven't been able to figure out until recently. Basically, I can't get big enough. I try to lift heavy weights and it just, I don't get bulky. And I don't think as women, we do get bulky. But the key actually is training hard. And Donnie used to train me all the time and joke around like, basically get on those big heavy weights, do the big squats, do the chest presses, get your back strong. And all that will magically make your body look young and healthy and vibrant. And the reason it does that is because it's recovery. So to make this as clear as possible, are there women who take steroids and grow muscles the size of a larger male? Yes. But that is not the proposition for the average mom, the average um, working woman who comes home at the end of the day, the average housewife, Mm -hmm. the average grandma. I'm a grandma. (laughs) That's not the proposition. What we want when we exercise is better health. When? For the next, in our case, for the next three decades. Yeah. We're looking out for the next 20, 30 years. And the way to do that is to try to ask yourself, what is it that makes us unhealthy? It's neglecting the maintenance Mm -hmm. of our body. You got to rest every day. You got to feed every day. And you got to exert your body every day. And this is a very important distinction. You need to experience long bouts of activity on a fairly regular basis. I would estimate probably two to three hours a week of cardio, something like that. Okay. And for resistance training, you need to experience 
overload. You need to you need to experience about 20, 30, 40 minutes of an overload experience where the body pushed safely to a maximum. For example, um, leg presses for Natalie when she was a little bit younger was in the four or 500 pound range. Now she's so like an around. ant. That's like 10 times your body size. Yeah. And it's because the muscles in the average woman are that strong. Wow. I will often take a woman in, in a, an experience in the gym where she's exercising, and I'll often show her firsthand just changing the, the way the reps are engaged, the amount of weight that's put on, without doing anything else, just one experience. It's Monday morning, it's 10 o'clock. By 11 o'clock, I've demonstrated to her that she has a muscle fiber makeup that's very different than she ever knew. And she has a strength in her body that's very different than she thought she had. But once you learn that muscles in a male and a female are exactly the same except the volume and the chromosomal makeup, they're the same. When guys have really good fast twitch fiber and girls have really good fast twitch fiber, it's the same. So once you learn how to lift, her upper body, in, in our lives, she's had 30-pound dumbbells over her head for shoulder presses. Wow. She's had 40-pound dumbbells in her hands for chest presses. Now, those numbers sound ridiculous. She's a normal girl. She's a normal female. Some girls may only get to 25. Some may only get to 20. But when I see a woman who's using fives, eights, 10-pound dumbbells, she's never experienced the way resistance training should be for the average woman. The stronger you get, the smaller you get if you're sleeping well, eating well, and going strong. It's a habitual life. It's about an hour and a half of weights a week, and it's about two to three hours of cardio a week, plus good rest and sensible eating. Well, and one of the things that's so interesting to me, Donnie, when I listen to you and Natalie, when I see you guys and I see you in the gym doing your thing is that you actually live and breathe what you're teaching. You know, there's no disconnect between what I see and what you guys are doing and then the results that that you see. And Natalie, you had three girls. Your body pushed out three little babies and carried them um, and they're healthy, beautiful ladies today. This isn't rocket science, and it didn't come out of a bottle. Like, that's the biggest thing that I'm taking away, that it's like slow and steady wins the race. It's consistency. Absolutely. Yes. Probably now, the best way to describe everything that we are talking about here is, is mm-hmm. simple. Um, some people on a scale of one to 10 may have a heck of a lot of work. Some people may have a little bit of work, but the solution to changes are, are typically going to be very normal, very natural. You must get more rest. You must eat smarter. And there's some instances where that's a very difficult answer to give due to medical reasons or things like that. But for the average person who needs to lose, let's just say 15% of their body mass, that individual has to do the four basics before they're trying anything spectacular, anything really extreme. You go to bed early, you make sure you get up and you start food earlier in the day, And you taper off towards the end of the day. 
the, the normal household eating that we do is we kind of try to get the energy to come in earlier and taper off towards the end. So when nighttime comes, we wake up hungry. One of the most important cues for me was the average client. If you don't wake up hungry, well, then you've been living off of what you consumed instead of the fat that your body can burn off at night. So if you just kind of follow the the normal approach, which is sleep well, eat well, and then go longer, cardiovascular, Mm -hmm. and get some kind of resistance training going. And once you start to put all, all that together, well, you've probably got, I would say maybe eight to 9% of that 15% off your body. And then you got to try to, you know, really be careful about how you sharpen the, uh, the approach at that point, because someone might need a little more resistance training, someone might need a little more cardio, someone might need a little more restrictive caloric intake. But that, that's person to person, there's never an answer across the board for everybody. Sure, sure. Why do you think it's so hard for people to make these changes? I know for me, it had to be gradual. I was not a good um, changer, if you will. You know, I had to, I kind of had to make small little steady changes in my lifestyle and my eating, even in my sleeping. Um, All these little micro choices that came into play. Why do you think in you guys experience, is it so hard for us to change? Good question. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I... (laughs) Probably the biggest reason for not changing is the motivating factor behind it. When When you're busy being a provider and a doer for everybody else, there's not a real big need for you to focus on you. I'm, mm. I'm speaking now in third person. I'm speaking from the female perspective. Um, from the male perspective, we kind of don't change until there's a problem. <laughs> but the female will change eventually because she's picked up on the fact that she's not performing as well as she could. And, of course, that's that, that symbiotic relationship between a healthy body, a healthy mind, and uh, 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 the home life, it, it's all, it's all consistently woven together. So I think it's, there's no motivation, but once the motivating factors come into play, then it, then it really is kind of a, a momentum. And for me, when a woman comes back in and she's determined she's going to make changes and she joins the gym, I want to keep that train moving. So what I do is I give her realistic goals. Mm-hmm. The average gal, when she gets back to the gym, shouldn't really experience much weight loss in the first month. I know losing weight's a very popular ploy for diets and all these different things that you see for infomercials. But the truth of the matter is, is the imbalance of muscle to fat ratio is critical. So when a woman comes back to the gym, she doesn't have enough muscle on her body and she's got too much fat on her body. So if the goal is to lose weight, you you want to do that without the loss of muscle. Got it. So my 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 recommendation for the average woman is you want to try to build as much muscle as you can at, at almost in every step of the way because your body's not going to build well. So you better be at it soon. So if you're, if you're in the gym and you're actually succeeding at, you know, regenerating your muscle structure a little, you're probably going to put on three or four pounds of healthy tissue. Mm-hmm. Now that isn't so much muscle as it is plumping muscles up from, let's just say, prunes to plums. And that pumping up is you're storing carbohydrate back in your muscle, which is very water dense. It's called glycogen. 
And when you start to fill the muscles back up, you clean the pool easier. Right. You, you carry the, the laundry up and down the stairs better because your body's energy paths are, they're, they're well connected and there's a source of energy in them. And so as you improve there, you've, you've basically created an equal on-off process. Three or four pounds of fat off, three or four pounds of muscle on. And then you're going to start to see changes because as you lose more and more muscle, most people recognize I'm losing inches losing a lot of weight that's a really important thing because here's the here's the biggest trick of all humans biologically lose fat slow (laughs) biologically build muscle slow So anytime someone gives you a quick fix, you can lose fat fast, you can, you can, you can build fat fast and you can lose muscle fast. Got it. Ever known someone who had a a grave illness, Uh, Bob, the guy down the street got cancer. Mm -hmm. Haven't seen him in three months. He's lost 50 pounds. That's not 50 pounds of fat. Mm -hmm. That's 50 pounds of fat, muscle and water. And by definition, losing fat, muscle, and water is yo-yo dieting. Mm-hmm. Everybody's probably experienced that. Sure. So if you lose fat slowly, don't expect to see quick changes. Mm-hmm. It's habit. It's a slow progress. And so if you're really getting this, you're going to build up a little muscle. You're going to hold on to it. You're not going to lose it. And you're going to burn off as much fat as you can by sleeping better, eating better, going long, going strong, and then pick up any other possible thing. I'm, I'm ready for every new idea there is, mm-hmm. so long as it doesn't conflict. And where it conflicts the most is it helps you to lose muscle. Mm-hmm. Anything that helps you to lose muscle, run from. It's treacherous. The average woman has twice as much muscle to fat as a young woman. And the average woman has a one-to-one muscle to fat when she's trying to make a change. Wow. So there's a big problem there. I've got too much fat and I don't have enough muscle. So that's, that's a really good cue to focus on. When the girls make changes, it should be more precise I need to burn fat with a period at the end of that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose any healthy tissue. I want to lose fat alone. That's a tough thing to hear because weight loss is so big. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And so if we can sell it out of a bottle, which is not in alignment with the values of this show and the values of, you know, what I think that, we're all here, both you, me, and Natalie are here today to talk about these things because they are kind of hard to hear. You know, we're, mm. we're told on television, buy this pill and you'll lose fat. Buy this machine, whether you use it or not, you know, you'll look like a rock star. And, mm. you know, 40 plus years of walking this planet, these claims of too good to be true are too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed working with both of you is watching, you know, my body change over the past year and a half. And 
being able to perform better. This is the fun thing about, I think, this whole journey is I have more fun with my kids. We do more activities together. I'm less tired. And when you talked about, you know, women don't generally change something until they have a reason. And one of my big reasons was my little guy, Zach, said to me, Mom, why are you always so tired? Mm. Why are you always so tired? You're tired every night. You're tired. And I would play games with them, but I was tired. And that wasn't normal. You know, I wasn't sick, Donnie and Natalie. I wasn't, but my lifestyle was making me sick. The wisdom of babes. Yeah. (laughs) So here's what you said, if I could kind of summarize. Sure. There are two things that you described there. Aesthetic changes. And then the wellness. Yeah. Now, the trouble with the aesthetic change is you could have done a, a greater weight loss. Right. Had you used other types of methods. Sure. But there's a, there's a, there's a skinny fat that people have seen happen. I lose a lot of weight, but I didn't really feel firm and stronger. Right. And that's a body that has a poor mechanism, muscular mechanism. But the way you've done it is you feel good, you move better. So you could have kind of achieved a change in the body that produced an aesthetic thing and not felt the wellness of it. Now, if you should desire to go further, I want a greater aesthetic. It simply means you make the decision, schedule permitting, am I going to turn the dials tighter? Am I going to, am I going to be a little more disciplined with more cardio? Am I going to do it at the right time of day? Am I going to include resistance training and maybe even experiment with other modes of training, different types of higher level activity? Or am I going to change my eating and really try to get precise with it, measure everything, check everything or not? If somebody wants to change, there are tools that can make it happen safely. And for us, safely means sustainably. Well, that's it. You don't want temporary. I didn't want temporary, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to consume a bunch of things out of jars and bottles. And I didn't want to feel terrible as I went through the process. And I recognized, you know, it took me 10 years to get to the state of unhealth or whatever. I don't know what the word is, but it took me 10 years to get there. So why would I think it was going to take me three months to, you know, reverse all that? And then the one thing was kind of the ripple effect in my household is as I took more time for myself to go to the gym to take care of myself, I had to shift other components in my household. You know, the kids had to step up and do more chores. You know, I was no longer the inexhaustible resource in the house and those changes in order to be supported by my family, I think needed to be unveiled slowly. I didn't walk home and go, okay, all of a sudden, here's all these changes because I'm coming first. You know, they were getting my kids on board with my health, getting my dad on board, you know, because my dad comes home from the grocery store and he has all the things that he likes to eat at 85. And then I got teenage boys who, you know, are given to their own devices, their little garbage magnets, <laughs> they'll find any can of soda within, you know, 10 miles. So it was a process. It didn't happen overnight for me. And it's still a process. 
you know, over the years, um, we, we can speak to the more uh, uniform type household where we're both on board. Yeah. And it is, it is absolutely a difficult situation when there is either no support or there's contrary support. Right. Um, it's difficult. Sometimes we eat very different. As a rule, she makes me eat better. And in my case, I'm often trying to determine, do I want to enjoy my meals? <laughs> is it time for me to have a little fun or can I sabotage? And I just, I'm, I'm naturally pulled in a better direction. So we can speak to that. We're both on board thing, but it's a very difficult thing. And only professionally have I seen how to make that happen. And the bottom line is you've got to work with what you got. Right. You come home and the hubby wants, you know, meat and potatoes and the kids want gravy and bread. You've got to deal with it because that's, that's, that's what they want to eat. Now, naturally, they're going to be pulled into a better eating format because mom does the cooking. But also, naturally, mom's going to be pulled away from her more, more a, a proper constructed meal for all the things that are working for her at her stage in life because that food is tempting and it's, it's, it's sabotage. So it it, it's a case-by-case thing. Well, and it's, you know, I found myself sneaking in little changes. You know, I, I would modify meals, you know, gently and slowly, because if I had come back to my household, there would be a riot on my hands. I know, I know how my kids are. I know how my dad is. You're not going to change somebody's eating habits that have been in place for 85 years. And I don't want to, you know, I want him to have better health. So the changes I've been making are gradual and they are kind of in the intermediary between me and the kids and my dad. Um, but it is, it is hard. But again, what you talked about the training, you know, like slow and steady, like slow. That's how I made the changes and am continuing to make the changes in my household. We have about two minutes before the end of today's show. Is there any last bit of advice you guys would like to share with our listeners especially with related to turning your health around for the better. You have anything to add about nutrition? Um, I would say it's just never too late. If you are, if you're ready to make a change, just start today, start tomorrow. It's not too late. And the goal is not too big baby steps. You will get there, prep your food. You'll eat correctly. It's, it's so, it's so important to take care of yourself. And I'm just, I'm so blessed that I have someone that supports me and, you know, I'm just so lucky. Yeah, I have to, I'll echo that same statement. Uh, I'll add this one little idea for food. There's, um, there's a, a little slogan that's very important. If you fail to plan meals, mm-hmm. you're planning the failure of nutrition. So that little principled phrase goes a long way. And what it does is it, it gets you into the mindset that you're going to make sure that you're on top of the food intake, which is critical. Um, I, I particularly believe that there is no way to get mass off of your body without the most important signal, which is eating differently. Mm-hmm. There's sure. no way to do it without eating differently. But there's also no way to keep that mass off if it doesn't include a well-designed program for, for muscle on and cardiovascular activity. So 
Probably the best advice I can give for getting better is the, the same sort of thing. You, you begin with baby steps, you figure things out, and pretty much everybody can sum themselves up in one quick review. What is it of the four things that we've been describing in this show that you do not do well? Right. I really don't do the cardio well. Okay, there's your first one to start with. Yeah. Keep the other one static and start working on that one. You'll see your greatest changes there. The easiest phrase to remember in all of this is change equals change. Change equals change, right? If nothing changes, nothing changes. Correct. Mm -hmm. and, and that goes across the board for whatever we're talking about. You can change food patterns. And there's a lot about nutrition that a lot of people do not understand well. Mm -hmm. So change equals change there. And then, of course, for cardio, if you're good on the treadmill, get on the elliptical. If you're good on the elliptical, get on a bike. If you're yeah. good on the bike, slowly learn how to do the steppers. And if, you, if, if all that's, if you're good at all that, try, try doing some stuff on your feet, maybe a, a, a Zumba class or something like that. But you really should change things up. And with resistance training, if I'm talking to the average guy, he probably already practices this. He changes up mm -hmm. the type of equipment he uses. But for the average gal, it's really about just getting in there and learning the get in the weight room. Yes, get, get in the weight room. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like the inner sanctum. I, I, you know, I go in there with Mr. Roland once a week, and then so I'm gonna I'm gonna work on doing that on my own because that yeah that is a little bit intimidating because it is like there's like the really fit women in there and the men who know what they're doing and then there's <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, you guys. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for bringing not only your joy, but your friendship, your your marriage, your great advice, great tips. I can see why you've been in the business a long time, why you're both successful. Thank you so much for being here today, and we'll be back again next week. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck.